Makes me nervous. Come on, how do you follow that? Y'all feeling it? Now, my whole thing has been, my whole, through the research and, and what I needed to do to be prepared for today, and everything that I've learned is, the first thing God wants out of us is to be of the same mind and of the same heart, which would be focused on him. Amen? And so I'm sitting here, and I was up there on stage, and I was thinking, first I wasn't going to go on stage, and then I said, nah, I feel more comfortable up there. And then I come down here, and then I say, you know what? These are all God's people, and we're all here to share in his love. And then I'm looking for purpose and reason and all that, and he said, shut up. God ain't never told none of y'all to shut up before right? Just shut up and just soak it in. And I'm just soaking it in and I'm loving it. Now, the cool thing about God is as complicated as we make things, if we really look at it, it's really simple. <laughs> and I was listening to Pastor Steve this morning. I'm like, oh God, I got to follow this. Last week, if you weren't here, Pastor Joshua released over this sanctuary, the dunamis power of healing. And for us to be able to move in our giftings within this body. Kind of funny, I just feel like, personally, my gifting is praise. That's, I just feel that way. I love praising the Lord, amen? You know, I get excited when people get excited for God. And so that's my thing. And so we're up there, and I'm thinking we're getting ready to end. Oh, God, I'm getting closer, you know. And God carries it on, carries it over, and carries it through. How many people forgot about that hurt that they was feeling when they was coming in here? Amen. Right? There's many of us that came in here with stuff on our mind and things and an agenda. It's not there anymore. Why? Because God already set the, has already uh, set the pace, has set the mood, has set the atmosphere for us to leave out of here, never, ever, ever being the same again. And you know what? That was my prayer this week. How many people feel a change already? I feel a change, right? And so because of the change that we are beginning to feel on us, this very simple, you know, I am not one of them complicated people, okay? Is this very simple breakdown of how dunamis power worked for me. If it could get through to me, it could get through to anybody. So don't think you have to have a college edu education to understand this. Besides, it's not about mind anyway. It's about what? Heart and spirit. Amen? So let's just get this started. Can I pray first? Getting a little nervous up here. Lord, it's just you, and it's all got to be about you no matter what it is. The words that would come out of my mouth would have to be yours. The cleansing, Lord God, of our hearts and minds must be set for you to be glorified. I just pray a release, Lord God, of all the things that we carried in of this world to leave our hearts right now, be it distraction, unforgiveness, anger, um, uh, <laughs> short patience, that you would be in control. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray, amen and amen. If your Bible is, uh, if you have your Bible with you, could you please open it up to John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23 is what I will be reading this afternoon, which is still not my main verse. A lot of reading today. Y'all ready for this? Okay. Are y'all ready for this? Okay. One more time. Are we ready for this? All right. If you're not, you will be after this, after this uh, verse. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so 
they might be to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and that I have loved them even as you have loved me. Do I need to break that down? Everybody in here understand what's going on, right? This is not my prayer. This is not the church's prayer. This is our Lord's prayer for us, for you and me. From way back when, when he made, before he made that sacrifice on the cross, he says, Lord, Father, God, they need to be together in everything it is that they do. They need to know who I am the same way that I know who you are. Does that make sense? I mean, how many people in here got sons and daughters? How many of us think we know them well? How many times they come out to cut on you with something new? Mine do that all the time, and that ain't got nothing to do with this, but it's got everything to do with us being of the same mind, the same heart, flowing down the same stream. Does that make sense? You know, the world would try to deceive you and lead you to believe that they are with you, but if you follow the trail, you, you'll notice that it always takes you away from everything that it is that God has planned for you. You know how you get somebody that want to do you a good turn? And then, you know, a month later you hear, oh, but when you were in need, I did this for you. Why come you're not there for me? Has that ever happened to you when you were in the company of someone that is a godly person? Has that ever come back up on you when you pray to God for more help, even though, you know, you didn't keep the promise from the last prayer that you put up? Right? So unity has to be a key. And to just hammer that home, we go to John chapter 14. Believe it or not, it's kind of backwards to me, so I'm going to read it to you the way that God gave it to me. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 17 um, reads like this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. All that stuff should be highlighted in your Bible somewhere. All right? Because here's the way that, from the book of Earl, okay? I got a book, right? Y'all just ain't ready yet. But from the book of Earl, I'm seeing it this way. God knew from the very beginning we needed help. Remember when we talked about the father being in the son and the son being in the father? I, I just was talking to my wife about this the other day. For the longest time, I always looked at the Holy Spirit as being an extension of Jesus' power. Even though we say there is a Godhead of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I've always taken it like the Holy Spirit is truly, is really an extension of Jesus' power. And then I come to realize, wait a minute, if it is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then when I read, read the uh, first uh, part of Scripture in, in John 17 about him saying, Father, we are one together, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So each character of the Godhead is the same no matter what form they take on. Dang, I just messed myself up with that. 
Y'all ain't messed up. Listen, how many of us in here felt that way? For real, be honest. If you be real honest about it, if you think about it for a minute, we always say the Holy Spirit, which kind of for me, it kind of takes it out of being a person. It kind of, for some reason, that word just takes me out of him being a person. And so then a couple of years ago, I started mentioning him as him and speaking to him as him and looking to him as him instead of it instead of what they say, instead of expecting someone else to be able to give me that, 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 that theological understanding of how this whole Trinity thing works. You know, it was hard enough to believe in the virgin birth for some of us. It's hard enough to believe in the death for some of us. It's even harder for us to believe in the resurrection. And then for even some of us even go even a little bit farther that he's still alive a day, um, can, uh, uh, Connecting with dad, saying to dad, give them what it is that they ask for just out of the love that I have for you. It's difficult to believe all of these things, but to say that there is still an entity here for me that's standing right here next to me when there is a time of need for me to be able to stand up and to say that he is God, to be able to witness to someone that I love and speak the words that is necessary to be able to get through to them. It can't be me that do that. It's got to be something else. And Jesus right here with his own words said that I got to do this so that he can come. And some of us, we will come to church for years and years and years and years and years and still leave church service every Sunday unfulfilled. I really don't come to church to see what I can get. On a Sunday... To be real honest with y'all, I come to serve. I get all my meat through everything else. And that's what I'm beginning to understand about the difference in the power of God and the love of God. When I came in, I needed his love bad. I was pretty beat up. Right? Now, we're talking about the dunamis, the dynamite power of God, that explosion of whatever. And I'm... I'm serious. I, I'm like, Ugh. you ever watch the movie and you're sitting there and you're saying, come on, get to the good part. Come on, get to the good part. Come on, get to the good part. The good part don't happen until it's something you can relate to. The good part of God does not happen until it's something you can relate to. So what do we do? We use family references. We use references about sports. We use references about life in general. We use all of these different references when what we should really try to do is to connect with you on a spiritual level. Instead of placating what you're going through now, explain to you that you have power over all of that. Does that make sense to everybody in here? So how do we do that? We must have the same mind. See, I'm going to keep driving that home. And the same heart. And that's why I got into uh, number two of my points is he's a unifier, right? Kind of funny. I'm going to use this character in the Bible, and this is one of my favorite events that happen in the Bible. Kind of funny, it has to do with being in service and food. I don't know, there's somebody in this church that does a ministry like that. Oh, it's me and my wife. That, you know, I just feel like a waiter. And this guy's name is, is Stephen. Some might say Stephen, but his name is Stephen. And he is, I believe, the first recorded martyr in the book of Acts that I've read about. So let's just get into the Word and see what it has to say and 
Watch what God does through this. In those days, oh, Acts chapter 6, verses 7 through 1 through 7, reads like this. In those days when the number of disciples was, was increasing, the Hellenic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews about their widows uh, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God to, in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over the, to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Um, what is that? Verse 5 that reads like that. This proposal pleased how many? All right, and of that, they, st- they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Prochorus, that dude, Timon, Parmius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased uh, rapidly, and a large number of priests, became obedient to the faith. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, not because just to be a waiter, you had to be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, which I kind of distribute food around here, and I'm like, ooh, I'm so happy. I knew I was, I had the Holy Spirit in me, right? I knew that. But to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom is way different. All right? It's like, how many married people do I got? Oh, I see some married people in here. Happily married people. Families growing. You know, you know a happily married family because you know they'll argue with each other in public. <laughs> I know that messed y'all up. But it's true. You know... Have you ever seen dude going down the street and his wife is telling him, hey, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. You know, just go ahead and pull your shorts up or keep the mic in your mouth, on your head, wherever it's at. But anyways, the, the point that I'm making here is you know a really good family by the way that they just come together, right? Have you ever seen your brother get in a fight and not jump in it? I ain't, I ain't never seen nobody do that, and I, I ain't that bad, but I ain't never seen that happen. Well, in the same way, we are looking at the way that these people needed to come together on a problem that they had. The problem was somebody else felt neglected or felt left out on something. Anybody here ever felt left out or neglected, felt like you was getting the short end of the stick and knew that, you know what, there has to be a better way. No matter what it is that I thought was going on, no matter who it is that I go to, I don't seem to be getting the answers that I need. Now, they mentioned the apostles as the 12. Do you know there were people that was afraid to go into that circle of people because 
because of the power that they had. You know, uh, there was a story about Ananias and Sapphira who goes in there and they decide to lie to the Holy Spirit and both of them got carried out and was buried so everybody else was scared. And then whoever it was that got together to come to the apostles and to say to them, you know what, we getting ripped off. Our old people and our widows, they're not getting what it is that they're supposed to have. You guys need to do something about that. Now, the first thing I thought when I read this, oh yeah, the apostles, they way too big for serving tables. No, that wasn't their purpose. They said, you know what? The word of God is really, really, really important. And there are other people ready for ministry. Now, plug right here. If you are sitting on your butt and you've been coming around for a while and you just, oh, I'm still praying about where I'm going, get over yourself. I'm just going to go there with it. All right? If you say, I love Jesus, and you're sitting on your butt, no, you don't love Jesus. I'm sorry. All right? If, and you've been here for a while. How many people feel like, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to go out here and go do what it is that I'm going to do for God, but I, I just ain't made up my mind what I want to do yet. He's a unifier. He's not a divider. How many times have you been asked, hey, you want to come to the doors and just greet people and smile at people on the way in? You want to come up here on a Tuesday or I mean a Monday, Wednesday or Friday and help clean some toilets or run a vacuum or something like that? Or do are you know everybody wants to start out being a preacher. I ain't start out being a preacher. Pastor Joshua didn't start out being a preacher. We started out as janitors. And so when we look when I, look, when I took a second look at this and thought that they thought that they were too good for this, I found out all they were doing was opening the door for someone else to have the opportunity to do ministry, right? I mean, think about this. People are always on my wife and my back about how much stuff it is that we do, right? And then they say, oh, you need to take this off of your plate. Okay, here you go. But I'm still doing it. What's that? Listen, the Holy Spirit is a unifier, okay? He puts things together. He brings people together in the same heart, the same mind, and the, and, and, and the same purpose, right? And so if he's bringing us together on what it is that we're supposed to do, I don't mind people saying no to me. It don't hurt my feelings when you say no. Don't just say yes because I'm Pastor Earl. I think when they appointed the seven, here's the difference in what happened. When they appointed the seven, they appointed the seven. Yep, they ended up being the seven because they, got, they ended up getting as powerful and doing as much as what the uh, 12 were doing. And so when they appointed the seven, they laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They were able to act in the same power and the same authority. So what did that do? That showed the whole assembly that God makes no difference in man or woman, in child or in adult, in Greek or in Jew. We are all the same, covered by the same blood, saved by the same sacrifice and able, go, able to go from glory to glory by the same promise. Yeah. Dang, this is good. Yeah. Are y'all getting this? Yeah. So I'm sitting here, and I'm reading this, and I'm going through this, and I'm saying, well, Lord, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. What's the more? How much more can you get than having him fill you up? with his spirit, a spirit that is with you in everything it is that you do. 
You know the hardest question that was ever asked for me, asked of me, and I still ain't been able to answer it to this day? What if you can do anything for God and know that you won't fail? Of course, you get some good churchy answers. Woo, we could stop world hanger. Yes, I said hanger. <laughs> if y'all don't know, some people get some people get hangry, right? <laughs> you don't want to mess with those people, right? Because I'm I'm running on time here, right? But I, I I would stop world hunger. I would end wars. I would find people to run the world that are peaceful, that love God. I would just oh, and I was like, you know what? The best answer that I could probably give is to be the best person that I could be for him. That wasn't good enough for me because I'm not always the best person that I could be for him. And that's just being real. But I tell you what, everywhere that I fall short, I'm covered by this word that says that he is in me. (laughs) And so now I know I can't do it. You know, you work a 12-hour day, come up here and be in the kitchen. Don't nobody show up to wash dishes. You only got seven volunteers. You got 135 people that's hungry. You know, you get, you be a little tired and you be a little short. But you know something? There's still some kind of fire that's in my belly and some kind of joy that is in my heart behind what it is that I'm doing, knowing that these people can't do nothing back for me. I'm not trying to gain their favor because a lot of times anybody will tell you I will be back there in the kitchen scrubbing those dishes, be there to sweep that floor, to set those chairs up on the table when there are eh, probably about 250 people that went through this building today that really has nothing to do with between 530 and and. Um, 6.30 on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. But then they say to me, I'm doing too much. I'm not. Because I don't do it. He does. And he's creating opportunities and he's creating chances for you to do. The question is, are you listening? Do you hear him? Check this out. Go back to uh, Acts 2.1. It says, on the day of, when the day, and When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. That's out of the King James Version because, you know, in the NIV, it states something like they were in one place or they were all together or something like that. But the whole thing about being on one accord, right, during worship service, oh, my God, it felt so good in here because everybody was thinking the same way. I want more. Even those of us that was missing out was saying, there's something in here, and I'm, I'm trying to find it. Your spirits was just, I look out here, and I see spirits bouncing and looking and searching, like, where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? It's here. We sometimes get ourselves and our minds so busy and concentrated on other things, we look right past the simplest thing in the world, to have an appreciation for who you are in him, and what it is he's capable of doing, the witness that's come straight from his word, it's amazing to me. Now, his wisdom, that's a tough one for me because I never really consider myself wise or very smart. I just have an amazing wife that has a way of teaching me things, and they stick. That's kind of the way that I looked at myself for many years. 
Then I found out, you know what? Some of this stuff is sticking because I'm doing things different ways. Before, it was all about how strong I was. Man, I, I, I am a caveman, okay? If something don't come loose, you just get a bigger hammer. That's, that's just, am I the only one that's that way? Dudes, come on now. Can somebody come with me, right? So I would just get a bigger hammer, a bigger wrench. I remember one time I was working on my car. We couldn't get something loose. And I, go, I went to go get like this level type thing, a, a pipe from somewhere. And, you know, it wouldn't work. And then, you know, it still wouldn't break. Then I went and got a bigger pipe. It wouldn't break. I am not lying to y'all. I kept looking for pipes until I asked my son. He's sitting back there. I had this fence pulse, uh, the, the long part of a fence pole. And I was like, halfway down the block, and I got somebody sitting on the tire, you know, trying to hold that thing up against there, and I said, if there's enough leverage, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to break, or it's going to come loose. <laughs> so I'm running down the pole, right? I'm like, just make sure it's on there. I go down there. <laughs> this is so funny because there were witnesses to this. Man, I pulled that thing and then went, I was amazed. I was like, look at God dancing all the way back there. <laughs> but did it break? Or did it fix itself? You know, am I going to be able to loosen this up? And like the guy that I had hired to do the job to my car because I knew it was too big to, for me, he, he kind of flipped out too. He's like, dang, we jumped up and down on that thing. We put 6,000 pounds of pressure on that thing. It didn't go nowhere. And sometimes God will set you up to where you're going to have to make a decision, and it's your decision to make. And sometimes you might feel that pressure. Sometimes you might even cave to it, but you never feel any less loved. I was a kid that grew up in the era of whoopings. Anybody else in here grew up in the era of whoopings? I hated those things. I didn't mind when my dad did it because when he did it, he was quick. But when my mom did it, it was for a while. You feel it for a while, right? Well, God ain't that way. Now, listen to what happened to Stefan here. I love that name, Stefan. <laughs> it's spelled that way, too. Um, going from, uh, keeping on in 6, 8 through 10, it reads like this. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the free men, as it was called, the Jews of the Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the providences of Sicilia and, and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You know, I could have just took that one verse. They could not stand up against the wisdom in which he spoke. When you win in an argument, what do people do? What, what, what do they do? You go from words to being physical. So what if you're smarter than me? You can't whoop me. What? <laughs> nah. You know, my favorite thing to say to my kids is, so what if you, so what if you can argue me? You can't beat me in basketball, so there. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am. This old man that has some life's experience, that think I know a lot, and more often than not, 
there are people that are younger than me who has left less a life's experience that can teach me things, that can lead me in ways spiritually, that can give me comfort and give me peace, that can make me feel like I belong somewhere. Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, people go church jumping because they feel like they, they don't find that connection. What do you mean you can't find the connection? We're all interconnected through one spirit by one body. And when we come to realize that, then we can move to the next level where Stefan was, where he would say, you know, this argument that we're having isn't about us. It's about this. And that argument up there is going to win over this argument down here, no matter how much stuff they try to throw in, the be in between it, that filler. Anybody ever um, uh, went to go eat a meal and they throw all that bread on the table? Why do you think they throw that bread on the table? Cut your appetite down, right? You go to them all-you-can-eat places, they have the best buns. I ain't lying to y'all. Anybody in here that love food know what I'm talking about. You go in there, they set that basket on there with that napkin, and you open it up, and it's still warm. And then they bring that padded butter out there that might have a little bit of sweet in it or a little bit of salt in it, and you'd be like, oh, it's so good. And then they give you this itty-bitty plate to go up there and get everything you can eat. <laughs> Suck you in. Well, in the same way, the enemy is sucking you in. Woo, look how much fun you can have at Cedar Point today. It's a Sunday. I know you should be in church learning about Jesus, but you want to see what that raven is like, even if you have to wait in line six hours to see it. It don't make sense to me. But when the argument that you have has girth, right? Anybody in here had a really good steak that they couldn't finish? Oh, we all finished steak. All right, I can't use that one. <laughs> Sorry. My wife, I get to finish hers. But have you ever had a really good meal that you sat down to? You make the biggest plate that you could possibly make. You know, pull out the platter that you only bring out for holidays to put the sliced meat on, to fill your plate up because, oh, I'm so hungry, this stuff smells so good. And then you start in eating off of that plate and you really can't finish it. I kind of feel that way when God starts filling me up. I, I, I get to a point where it ain't no more room. There's no more room in my stomach for what it is that, I set on, that God set on my plate. And so I'm looking at the, the wisdom that Stefan would have and knowing that God is greater. Now, check this out. He ran into a situation. My stuff froze. Oh, now it's unfroze. Went too far. This is a lot of reading, y'all. Go to Acts 5, 29. Uh, yeah, 5 verses 29 through 40. I could actually cut this down, but I like getting the whole thing in there because I just understand it better. Does that make sense? Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and, it, and so is the Holy Spirit 
whom God has given to those who obey him. Then when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored um, by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos, Theodos, yeah. Uh, some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody. And about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and all his followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared and in the days of the census led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is that of human origin, it will fail. But it, it is from God. You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus and let them go. Getting kind of heavy in here. This is a sermon in itself. Just in the opening phrase that we, Peter and the other apostles said to the Sanhedrin after they told them, dude, this thing that y'all doing is jacked up. It's messing us up. It's out of the order of God. And they're saying to the, to, to, to the keepers of the law, the people who had their life in their hands, you know what? Whatever happens here, no matter what happens, I choose God first. How many of us say that we choose God first, but our actions really don't follow that? I mean, you know, sometimes I, I run into people and I, I kind of jokingly in my head call them drive-by Christians. Drive by a church and say, hey, Jesus. Right? Run into a preacher and say, how you doing, preacher? Here's $10. But if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we must first be obedient. That's hard. Man, my wife's been training me 31 years, and I still mess up. Some people would say, you must really be slow. <laughs> 31 years? That's a long time for somebody to be training you, and you still ain't got it. But look how long the body of Christ has existed in America and how we keep messing up. Just flat out. And it's not always a condition of the leadership. It is a condition of the understanding of the training that is necessary for us to be able to move forward in the power and the authority that he gives each and every single last one of us. A lot of people look to leadership and point the finger at them. You know, it's like pointing the finger at the quarterback for the receiver that dropped the pass 
that didn't make the touchdown. Well, if you would have just threw it a little bit harder, or if you would have just threw it a little bit softer, or if you just would have threw it a little bit sooner, or if you would have been able to move just a little bit to this side, the quarterback gets the blame because he's the one whose the eyes are on. If we get everybody's eyes focused on Jesus, does anybody in here, can anybody in here give me an instance where Jesus has failed at anything? Woo. Trying to keep y'all with me here. He's never failed at anything. So who are we to think that by our actions, we're going to change whatever his plan was? Because if we don't do it, guess what? Somebody else will. So what Gamaliel is saying, in all his wisdom, that's what I love about this heading, he is wisdom. In all of his wisdom, he said, you know what? There have been people that have rose up. There have been different things that have happened in this country, different presidents that we have had, different congressmen, different judges that have made changes and differences in who we are now and who we were when many of us old people in here were children. There has been much of that that has happened, but we are still the United States of America, and we still have a right to make our decisions based on our beliefs and stand up for those beliefs in strength and unity and in courage and all of that. But we choose to hide behind four walls and sing a few songs and go home and give a few dollars. To look at the words that Gamaliel spoke, put a new question in my head. I told y'all the hardest question ever asked me was what could I do for Jesus and never fail? Now I have a new hardest question. How can I do everything for Jesus so that I won't fail? Or if I do everything in my life to exalt Jesus, how can I fail? I can't. Right? If he's exalted in everything that I do, then there's no way for me to fail. And Gamaliel seen that, right? And he wrote, he wrote the book on it, amen? The last part of this, and I really want you to consider this, Stephen dies. I could read the scripture to you, but it's, it's, it's recorded. I have to understand, death isn't the end. When he said to the people that was torturing him, you know what? I do want to read this. Shoot, I got to read this because it's really, but my book, it froze. So where's my paper? See, that's why I have the standby, Pastor Joshua. I tried this technology thing. It just ain't work for me. This thing froze up three times, and it made me cattail a couple of times. Here we go. He is power. That's where I'm at right now. It's on the he is power. I skipped the he'll never leave you because he won't. Um, when the member he don't. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And look, he said, I see heaven open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the, witness laid their coat, uh, the witnesses 
laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen Stephen replied, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Could we stand up on our feet, please? Told you I was going to make this quick, dude. Just real quick. What is the ultimate price that we would have to pay? The ultimate price that would have to be paid in our minds and in some of our hearts is death. Even though the word of God says death isn't the end, but we walk like it. My biggest fear in life these days has not been who I am because I'm pretty comfortable in my identity of who I am in Christ. It's how I am perceived as a witness to his glory. A lot of us would think that God uses the signs, the wonders, and the miracles to prove to us who he is. And that's not what the purpose of the signs, wonders, and miracles is for the unbeliever to know who he is. Because he is already in us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is given to us as a gift from him out of our obedience and love to him. Does that make sense to everybody in here? And so instead of seeking God out and all of his signs, wonders, and miracles anymore, what I am seeking him out for is wisdom and courage and strength and an understanding of how to access that power that will bring witness to who he is. Not to bring glory to myself, not to bring glory to this church, not to bring glory to the church body at all. That's not what our purpose is. Our purpose is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. The purpose always has been, always will be, and was from the very beginning for the deity of our Lord and Savior to be exalted by man. And he empowers us to do that through our obedience and through our love of him. What did he 